Welcome to the Healthcare Policy Podcast. I'm the host, David Intracasso. Today's podcast concerns medication management or ways to improve the safety and effective and efficacy of prescription drug use. With me to discuss the topic is Dr. Brian Isitz. Welcome, Brian. Thank you, David. Let's begin with some background. Over 80% of Americans take at least one medication. Nearly 30% take five or more. That translates to more than 3.5 billion prescriptions written every year and makes drug use the third highest cost in healthcare delivery after hospital and physician services, amounting to over $250 billion annually. While the benefits of medication therapy are or can be substantial, medication errors are among the most common medical error. According to the Institute of Medicine, an estimated 450,000 preventable adverse drug events occur each year in hospitals and another 800,000 preventable adverse drug events in long-term care facilities, though these numbers are believed to be underestimates. According to the CDC, fatalities from medication errors in 2010 accounted for approximately 35,000 deaths or more deaths than caused by auto accidents. Medication harm is so pronounced, according to the Dartmouth Institute for Health Policy, there is nearly a one-to-one ratio of drug spending to spending on unintended medication harm. Now let me introduce Dr. Isitz. Dr. Brian Isitz is a professor of pharmaceutical care and health systems at the University of Minnesota. For the past two years, he has been a health policy fellow at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, CMS, working to improve medication adherence. Dr. Isaac's field of expertise concerns studying the outcomes of medication therapy management services provided within the practice of pharmaceutical care. Beyond CMS, Dr. Isaac has worked with the American Medical, American Medical Association and others to ensure medication uh, therapy management services by pharmacists. He was graduated with a BS from the University of Wisconsin School of Pharmacy and with a PhD from the University of Minnesota College of Pharmacy. Lastly, to note, Brian's comments will be his own during this discussion. So let's begin. What factors, Brian, help explain poor adherence to medication use? Well, thank you, David. I appreciate the opportunity to share some of my uh, observations uh, with you and your audience today. And where I'd like to start is when we talk about adherence, that's just one symptom of, or the tip of the iceberg of a dysfunctional medication use system. And what I'd like to do today uh, with, your, uh, with your listeners is to, to change the frame of reference or, or to reframe the discussion is if we had the opportunity to develop a true medication use system, what would adherence look like inside that system? In other words, what we're doing now is, is embedding medication management or how patients achieve their goals of therapy across all our healthcare delivery services, not just when Brian Isaac shows up at the clinic on Thursday afternoon. So when I embed this comprehensive medication management in integrated health systems, and especially within value-based or outcomes-based reimbursement, the, the Goals of therapy that patients uh, are, are achieving are phenomenal uh, in addition to the decreased costs. And so I like to frame adherence as what I like to term, uh, I like to term intelligent noncompliance. The patient's not taking the drug, and we as a health system have not done our job to understand why the patient's not taking the drugs. Okay, very helpful. So let's give it a, uh, let's be site-specific. Um, 
studies show that approximately half or close to half of these errors uh, occur when new orders are written upon hospital admission or discharge. So explain to me in context of a hospital setting what happens or doesn't happen. Uh, thank you, David. When we design a true medication use system, uh, it, what will be embedded, as I said before, is that patients' goals of therapy will be clearly stated so that patients achieve goals of therapy and we reduce the harms that, that come from medications. There are many components to that. Uh, the physician order entry is one form of, of decreasing medication errors. So we have both medication errors, making the system safer so the patient gets the right medication, but then making sure that, drug, that medication works for them. So as we design this uh, a new medication use system from the ground up, both of these, both we decrease the medication errors, and then we also attend to how the, patient, uh, how the medicine's working for that patient. Okay, so you mentioned the physician computer order entry systems reducing errors. This is um, now increased use of health information technology to make sure that, um, for example, we're no longer dependent on interpreting physicians' handwriting, uh, to put it at a most basic level. But let me, let me ask you this way. You're a pharmacist. Explain to me how your practice or how you practice uh, your profession as it relates to um, appreciating uh, what the patient understands or doesn't understand. Well, let me, before I address your question on the patient's understanding and shared decision-making, let's just talk a little bit about the difference between a handwritten prescription and a computer order entry, because I think this is interesting. Many people think that, oh, great, we have computer order entry, we're done with this, this fixes our system. Well, not exactly, uh, because you could guess the physician could select the wrong medication from a drop-down menu. All right, now we're back to square one where the wrong medication was, was, was dispensed or, or filled in, or prescribed in the first place. So that once again gets to this the companion piece to uh, redesigning a medication use system is that even when a medication is ordered, we all in the healthcare system with the pharmacists working in the team help to understand what the intended use of that medication is and the intended goals. And we start from there, even if there's a drop down menu error in computer order entry, we catch that at that point. So I want to address that because it's not the panacea that many of us think, but within a true medication use system, we can account for the few errors that are made in that regard. Okay, very helpful. Good point. Um, you're right. There is this belief that HIT is going to cure all our woes in the delivery uh, of healthcare services. Uh, let's go back then to how you routinely, day-to-day -day practice the dispensing of uh, drugs as a pharmacist. So. Perhaps give an example might be helpful of how you interact with a patient. Right. So, right. so as we design this new medication use system, the patients still have to receive the drugs, and at the same time we want to make sure that the medicines are right for them. And we're building new systems that integrate uh, pharmacists, even in the communities, into our health systems. They're part of our clinic systems so that they don't stand as a separate ent healthcare entity disconnected from our healthcare system. As they have been. As they have been in the past. Yes, that's been a, a drawback that we're, we're fixing now. Uh, and I do want to speak to how we engage the patient and how important this is because we had a program on November 30th of this past year at the National Quality Forum, National Priorities Partnership, devoted to patient engagement and redesigning healthcare delivery and financing. And two patients came from Minnesota to share and actually call on our external stakeholders to ask for their health systems to always do three things related to medications. One is help me as a patient understand what are the intended medical uses for all my, all my medications. 
what are the goals of therapy that are specific to me, to myself as a patient, and then what do I really need to know about the safety concerns that are unique to me and my comorbidities, not what scrolls across the bottom of a TV screen. Okay, helpful. Let's go to a more uh, programmatic activities, um, and that is um, we talk about this, uh, we use this phrase medication therapy management, MTM, and this has been the topic of your research at the University of Minnesota. Um, although you've suggested how it's proven effective, let's talk specifically relative to what's the intent and purposes of NTM, MTM, and, and how will it lead to, you know, again, better efficacy and fewer errors? Great question. Thank you, David. Yes, that has uh, been my life's uh, work. And look at it this way, is that we need a systematic patient care process related to the way patients take medic medications, just like a physician has a def differential diagnosis process. A dentist, no matter where you go in the world, starts with the same tooth, conducts their same exam. We need the same thing, this patient care process, standard patient care process for the way patients take medications. So it is a systematic assessment that focuses on, the, in this order, intended use of the medications, effectiveness, safety, and convenience. Uh, and so this medication therapy management was, has been recognized by the American Medical Association and has a, a, a current procedural terminology or CPT uh, reporting and billing code. So that's the first step in, in uh, healthcare um, um, reporting is to get the service recognized. And now is that the studies that supported that were built around what the outcomes of that service are, particularly when integrated with the patient's healthcare delivery. Okay, helpful. Thank you. As I noted in my uh, introduction, you've been a health policy fellow at CMS for the past two years working to improve prescription drug utilization. Let's discuss for a moment the program ethics at CMS and the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Innovation, which is a provision of the Affordable Care Act. So what are, what are the activities undertaken by CMMI? to improve uh, prescription drug use. Now, David, let me clarify uh, to your listeners. I am uh, speaking on behalf of my role as a professor at the University of Minnesota College of Pharmacy. I can talk about some of my observations generally, but I do not have any uh, policy, policy authority at CMS. So you don't, we understand you don't speak formally for CMS. That's yes. correct, yes. Uh, but I do have many interesting observations. Um, I came to CMS on a six-month sabbatical and to work on improvements to the Medicare Part D, that's Part D as in dog, uh, medication therapy management program. And that has some di uh, distinct differences with the way medication, uh, comprehensive medication management is being implemented in many of the clinic systems. Uh, when the Medicare Modernization Act was passed in 2005, the, the payment for the medication therapy management was included in the administrative fee for the insurance companies, wasn't treated as a true health care uh, service. So there had some many uh, distinguishing factors that were different than uh, having it delivered uh, embedded in a health clinic. In other words, you may have a health plan calling in New Jersey calling a patient in Nebraska. Uh, and that was how the program started or was given a legislative authority. So it's a little different than what is happening at, uh, in the clinics themselves. But having said that, there have been a number of improvements so that more patients can have access to these comprehensive medication reviews so that we can help resolve drug-related morbidity and mortality that are caused by unintended consequences of drugs, uh, medications. Uh, and so this is really the piece at, um, at Medicare is how do we bring the Part D program into alignment with Parts A and B? So this is all looked at one continuous service rather than play, uh, being provided in different silos. Okay, thank you. 
There is a provision, since I mentioned the Affordable Care Act, and it's Section 3503, Medication Management Services and Treatment of Chronic Disease. Um, you want to make, would you um, please make a comment about that? Sure, David. That's, that particular provision uh, was uh, authorized but not appropriated, like many other items uh, in the Affordable Care Act. And that really uh, was designed to be, uh, provide uh, more opportunities for health systems to bring this, this comprehensive medication management into a healthcare delivery, integrated healthcare delivery. Um, fortunately, although that was not uh, appropriated, we do see more and more health systems seeing the value of comprehensive medication management within the uh, affordable care, uh, excuse me, the accountable care organizations and other value-based services. Because as I said at the outset, you can't be an accountable care organization if you're not accountable for what happens to patients when they take medications. And correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't the Congressional Budget Office recently give a score of savings for providers uh, doing medication therapy management? Well, I can state this, David, is that when uh, comprehensive medication management, consistent with the service level expectations, are provided in integrated healthcare systems, it's consistently been shown to improve clinical outcomes and decrease health care expenditures. Okay. Thank you. Let's discuss one issue specifically and that is pain management. As we do a, you look at the studies, we don't do a great job in healthcare delivery regarding pain management, either for chronically ill or terminally ill patients. How do we do a better job? Great, great question. And I look at, um, in this case, we'll use pain management as an example. We could use almost any type of medical condition that a patient has for this example. Sure. All right. And, and it really amounts to what we're learning in decreasing readmissions. Pa uh, patients with more intense needs need closer uh, observation, closer monitoring, closer uh, engagement. And so if we have patients that are high risk for readmissions, we frequently interact with them to keep them out of the hospital to meet their, their changing health care needs. Pain management is no different. That pain management will change daily, and your care plan for the management of that pain uh, could also change on a daily basis. So we have to have these very close and warm handoffs across each day of that patient's life while they're in pain. And that would improve, therefore, the management there. Okay, thank you. Um, Let's, let's leave that subject aside for the moment, and let me ask you this. This is obviously a critical question. Uh, what steps would you or do you recommend to patients or family caregivers to help ensure that they're taking their medications safely and effectively? Thank you, David. This has been a very, uh, an area that I've been very, very uh, excited about developing with many of the uh, patient uh, support groups and uh, patient uh, advocacy organizations uh, around the nation is that, if, as I said, if we can have all patients in America make sure their health systems help them, help them answer three questions. What is the intended use for my medicines? How are they working to achieve my specific goals of therapy? And what do I really need to be concerned about, about safety? We can design the medication use system this country deserves. Okay. And let me... Uh Asked then, I did mention the 35,000 uh, fatalities associated with medication errors. And of course, this is an increase. This was 2010 data, it's an increase over 2009. They're expecting a 5% increase for 2011 data. This is a, a substantial problem. There's been proposed legislation on the Hill, on the Senate side, particularly to try to address this. Um, what would you suggest or recommend, rather, how do we reduce? Yeah. Uh, these deaths. Well, we, we have a unique opportunity at this point in time of our of our history. Uh, 
couple of things have come together that would give me great hope for design and medication use system that will prevent the deaths from the drugs that we're talking about here today, David. And it's the fact that as we move towards this value-based or outcomes-based reimbursement, it, it's more plausible or makes more sense to embed this comprehensive medication management in health systems. And as we're doing this, we're testing this out. First of all, uh, with some of the programs at the Innovation Center, such as the Partnership for Patients, it's designed to make healthcare safer and improve transitions of care. And so, for instance, uh, hospital-acquired adverse drug events are approximately one-third of hospital-acquired conditions. We're working to rapidly decrease those. And the other piece you mentioned is that uh, what are we doing comprehensively, or what is currently happening at the federal level? Um, about a year ago, Senators um, Bennett and Snow sent a letter to Secretary Sebelius, and they stated all the statistics you, that you just cited, all the deaths, uh, the, number, the, the magnitude of drug-related morbidity and mortality. And let me just add here, yes. supposedly um, it is the case that almost half of these deaths are caused by misuse of getting back to pain management. So you hear much, and there's much stories, of course, in the news as it relates to OxyContin. Well, we, the, the, the measures of preventability are pretty convincing as well, that we can prevent between 44 and 60 percent of the bad things that happen to patients. So uh, Secretary Sebelius then called on, uh, provided an inventory of all the federal uh, actions to, to help improve medication use and decrease the harms, including this rapid cycle improvement of these 26 hospital engagement networks, but also then called on a, a high-level federal interagency work group on adverse drug events that's modeled closely after the 2008 work group that that decreased uh, hospital-associated infections, such as, such as CLABSI. So we have a blueprint to follow to go forward in this country, and we have, if you will, a research and development arm already in, in place that's testing out these changes. So I, I believe that we have great, a great hope in addressing a, uh, a societal problem that has not, re has, has not changed in many years. Thank you, David. Let's, let's, let's then conclude by my asking. So you're concluding your two years at the Centers for Medicare uh, Medicaid Services, specifically CMMI. What's next? That's a great question. That wasn't on your list, David. <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> no, I, I think that the big picture here is that we are, are on the verge of spectacular results in terms of, of medication use in this country. We can design the system that's available. As I go back and prepare to return to the University of Minnesota, there are a number of opportunities to build upon the work we have already started here. Patient engagement and, and demanding the medication use system we have. I know that there's hundreds, millions of patients across this country that will follow us to, to demand the three, the three points that I just talked about. And then also, what about the leadership, to study the leadership components of organizations that really uh, are making significant improvements in medication effectiveness and decreasing medication harms. We, can, we need to study these high performers. Okay, I think that's uh, it, Brian, then. So let me conclude by saying I thank you for your time this morning, and it's very much appreciated. You're welcome. My pleasure. Thank you, David.